Hello, I'm Douglas Jackson, and this is The Art of It, Conversations on Creativity and Leadership. It's a podcast of the Roanoke Arts Commission. And we're going to kick off this entire podcast uh, by celebrating uh, National Parks and Recreation Month uh, with the director of Roanoke's Parks and Recreation, Michael Clark. And I've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Roanoke does a particularly good job of incorporating arts in, in the parks and programming. And I know that Michael's very thoughtful on this and the role of parks and recreation. So with that, let me say thanks for spending some time with me, Michael. It's my pleasure, Doug. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about how you came to get involved in this career path? Well, uh, I got my start in Parks and Recreation when I was uh, 14 years old uh, as a lifeguard in my, my hometown. I uh, did that uh, for several summers and um, continued that on when I went to school at uh, Virginia Tech. And uh, while I was working for Montgomery County Parks and, and Recreation as a lifeguard, uh, I was able to parlay that into a uh, part-time job with uh, athletics and uh, outdoor recreation while I was still in school. So I was uh, studying full-time and working about 20 hours a week for the local Parks and Recreation Department and um, was still on a career path to um, go into corporate communications. I have a, a degree in communications and English. And um, once I graduated and went on a couple interviews, it kept coming back to uh, how much I enjoyed working in, in Parks and Recreation. And uh, as luck would have it, right around the time that uh, I needed a job, one came open um, with Montgomery County Parks and Recreation, and I was fortunate enough to be selected for my first full-time job out of college and uh, kind of worked my way into Parks and Recreation that way and uh, never looked back. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Rockbridge County, uh, which is uh, just uh, about an hour north of here in a small little town, Buena Vista. And uh, so had uh, around 300 kids in my, in my high school, uh, so very, very small. But um, after, after graduating, I uh, went to uh, Virginia Tech and never really got uh, too far away from home. So I, I still um, stay in, in contact uh, with my family and, and friends back home. And uh, I feel like I'm, I'm close enough to get there when I need to and, and far enough away where people aren't just dropping in on me all the time. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good, good place to be. <laughs> And it's a and it's a beautiful stretch all the way from Rockbridge County down into the New River Valley, uh, and and certainly absolutely yeah, and certainly Roanoke's beautiful. How long have you been working for the city of Roanoke? So I started working for the city in June of 2007, and in May of 2015, I I left the city for a very brief time. I was gone for uh, about a year. And uh, was fortunate enough to uh, to get my my job back in uh, in 2016, and um, then became director of the department in December of 2016. And how do you see your role as the director of the department? That's a great question, um, because what it is we do is so multifaceted and we play a role in so many different things. Um, everything from, um, you know, cultural arts, like we're talking about today to, um, health and wellness to conservation and environmental, uh, protection 
And uh, I think what it all comes down to is uh, the role that I play is is building a better community. And that's what has really drawn me to, to Parks and Recreation uh, in the first place um, is just how multifaceted it is and being able to, to play a role in, in something that, that's so much bigger than I am and, uh, and selfishly building just a, a cooler place for, for me and my kids and my family to live in. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about arts and culture. Uh, you know, I'm passionate about the arts, uh, but it's, for me, primarily an avenue to, like just as you said, building better communities. And if you can grab people where their passions are um, and then apply that in community development, community building, you can really get somewhere. And I noticed across the board, it seems, as a rule, that parks and recreation staff are passionate about what they're doing. Do you find that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, so I, I make it a habit uh, to uh, meet with uh, every full-time em- employee that we bring on into the department. And, and when I can, every, every part-time and seasonal employee as well, uh, before an offer is extended to them. Because um, our, our former director, um, he, uh, he had a, a lot of, of great one-liners. Um, but one of the, one of the things that, that he used to say that, that always stuck with me is that, um, to be successful, you surround yourself with successful people. And, you know, the, one of the most important things we do is, is hiring the right people. So, you know, one of the things that, that we look for, probably the most important thing we look for is someone that, that has that drive and that passion for, uh, community development and community building, um, and you know, we look for, for things that are more intangible, you know, like work ethic and, and attitude and um, just general behavior as opposed to technical skills because, by and large, the, the technical stuff can be taught. Um, but you, you can't always teach someone to love their community, to, um, to have that desire and passion to, to make the place they live a better place for everybody else. So. Um, that's, we're just very intentional in the people we hire. And, um, I tell you, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have just a a great group of, of folks to work with every day. How do you know that you're on the right path? What are your indicators? I'll tell you, it's, it's so hard to really know. Um, you, you know, you, you take a look at, um, you know the the community reaction to things, the the general engagement uh, that we have. We we have a, a really good following um, of of folks that uh, participate in our programs, that visit our parks, um, and I think you know we we base the, our success off of uh, that use and that that feedback that we get. You know when when people tell us, you know, thank goodness there was a park available during the pandemic because otherwise I would have gone crazy. Um, Knowing that, that we played such a significant role in people's mental health, um, I see that as, as a success. And uh, I know that we're, we're on the right path and, and we're at least doing something right. And, and you mentioned the, the past director, that, and that was Steve Bashore. That was, yes. Um, Steve, unfortunately, passed away in, in 2016. And he really got our department heading in the, in the right direction. And Really, all the all the credit in the world goes to, to him and the vision that he had. I was 
I was fortunate enough to to work with him for for eight years, and um, I learned quite a bit. And uh, he was the one that that taught us the importance of of making Roanoke more livable. That was his goal. And um, you know, he was a, a strong supporter of the arts. He was uh, instrumental in in getting the uh, the arts and parks uh, going several years ago and um, was always uh, welcoming and, and accepting of, of public art. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, um, the success that we have today uh, can be credited back to Steve. And he was surrounding himself with those good people uh, and you being one of them. I, I remember that's when I met him was uh, during the Parks and Arts Project, and he was out there at every one of them, and they were hot, and it was summertime. Uh, and I was just, I remember being really impressed then with the department and what, what you were doing. And we have, we, of course, we partner in arts and culture with parks and recreation in a number of ways, um, including putting temporary and permanent pieces in the parks. And I was shooting, um, it wasn't long before he passed away. I was shooting uh, down in Elmwood Park, and I think it was during festival in the park, and I was doing interviews with people on their responses to the temporary art. And Steve was walking by with friends or family members, and uh, he did, and I didn't even know I had him in the camera shot, uh, but they were looking at the pieces that had just been installed, and and I I look I look back at that. Um, fondly that that image of him uh there in the park uh with with the art um so yeah we appreciate his his legacy and the work that you're doing to continue that let's talk a little bit about a couple of upcoming projects so we've got a project called arches which is a placemaking project and we're uh down under memorial bridge on the greenway and i'm going to let you tell me about that project how do you see that project um, you know, a, a lot like our department, I, I see this project as multifaceted and, and touching a handful of different areas in relation to, to art, from the the physical art there, that the, the painting and mural that'll go on the um, on the, the bridge pillars there, all the way to uh, repurposing the old sandbox that was there from a historical uh, perspective. And, um, you know, then, of course, the performing art uh, piece of it, which is, is going to be phenomenal. Um, you know, that's a, that's a historic area for us. It, uh, once upon a time used to be a more developed park and, and over time, a lot of those amenities were, were taken out. In fact, all, all but the sandbox were, were taken out and made way for the, the Roanoke River Greenway, a more modern recreational amenity. And it's just, it's really cool to see this space being, being activated in this way. Uh, many folks just pass through there as they're on a run or a bike ride and, this will give an opportunity for people to stop and uh, really appreciate what what used to be there and and appreciate the art that will that will be there for uh, some time to come. Yeah, that, I'm looking forward to hearing the responses of, of, of folks as that project continues and then is is implemented. And on and we've we've got dates for that performing arts piece. It's going to be by Virginia Children's Theater and four all four Saturdays in September at 11 a.m. We'll do uh, storytelling around diversity for um, our, our, our youngest community members uh, and families. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But Michael, what do you have coming up next for the department? What kind of good news do you want to share? Well, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that um, we're, we're able to, to offer recreation programs again in, in a somewhat limited capacity. 
I know that uh, before the pandemic and for the last uh, couple years, one of the more popular areas of our programming has been cultural arts. And we've, uh, we've really made a, a push internally to, uh, to make those, those programs available and accessible to people. And uh, we're, we're excited to see uh, those arts programs coming back. Um, of course, our, our bread and butter programs are, are outdoor recreation based. So whether it's climbing programs or biking programs, uh, we have several of those coming back as well. Um, in terms of our, our built environment, we are, um, we're working on a, uh, an extension of the Tinker Creek Greenway. And uh, we're, we're very excited about that. That's still a couple years out before construction but we're at uh, 60% design plans to uh, connect Tinker Creek from Fallon Park over to Mason Mill Park. And uh, that, will, that will be uh, one of the, uh, the more scenic and, and beautiful stretches of Greenway Trail in our system once it's done. Um, I've made it no secret that Mason Mill Park is my favorite park in the system. So it is a little bittersweet knowing that uh, there will be a lot more traffic coming to, uh, to Mason Mill Park once this is all said and done. But um, we're, uh, we're really looking forward to that. And uh, lastly, we, we just cut the ribbon on the uh, redevelopment of River's Edge North. So we have, uh, we redid the parking lot. We have some park amenities there with um, uh, uh, a nice water fountain and picnic tables and then two uh, premier athletic fields uh, that will uh, cater to our uh, football and soccer and lacrosse communities and uh, be able to, to host some tournaments and, and large scale events once we we get back into that business. So, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're very, uh, very pleased with, with the work that we've done and the role that we've played over the last several months and, uh, being an, an essential service really. Um, you know, you, you had mentioned national, uh, recreation and or park and recreation month and, uh, the theme that, that our uh, national recreation park association came up with this year is parks are essential. And that's a, um, that's a theme that we've been carrying over on our social media channels, talking about all the different things that we do that we feel are essential services. And um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the role that we've played during this pandemic is a, a respite for people and an outlet for physical activity, for mental health. Um, it's been an essential service. And, and I, uh, I'm very thankful that the people before me were able to uh, develop such a, a wonderful park system that um, has, you know, around 70% of our citizens within a half mile walk of, of a public park or greenway, uh, which, you know, we're very proud of and, and hopefully we'll, we'll get to, to 100%. So um, we just, we, we have a lot of great things going on and we're, we're very thankful for, for all the people that take advantage of our, of our parks and programs and uh, we're, we're looking forward to, to doing more. Well said. You do a, a big mix of both long-term planning and uh, immediate program provision uh, and maintenance. Uh, on the long-term planning, what's your tip for engaging people in the, the vision of parks and recreation? So we went through a master planning process uh, last year, and uh, we got a, a 10-year master plan approved by city council. And through that process, we developed a new mission and a new uh, vision. And, um, you know, our, our vision is to be the reason people choose Roanoke. And I know that's a very bold statement, and there are tons of other reasons why people would choose Roanoke. But uh, when folks are, are looking uh, to make a change, whether it's personal or professional, um, you know, many communities, if not all communities our size, all have the same thing. They all have 
um, access to, to fiber and, and transportation and rail and, um, you know, all these, all these different things, you know, that you need to be competitive in, in today's marketplace. But what is it that sets you apart? What is it that, um, that really seals the deal for someone? And, and we want it to be Parks and Recreation. We want to be the reason that people choose Roanoke. And we were very intentional in this process to uh, go out into our neighborhoods and, and various communities to solicit input and make sure that folks had some buy-in and ownership of this plan. And I was very pleased with the, with the turnout. And I, I feel like it's a, it's a document that, that really was built from the ground up and reflects the community's wants and needs. And uh, the only thing that I can say to our folks is uh, to be patient because we do have a dated park system. A lot of our facilities are, are antiquated. Our, our rec centers are, are very antiquated and they're not cheap. And there are a lot of competing needs throughout the city. You know, we've done a wonderful job renovating our libraries. We're doing a great job renovating our fire stations. Uh, so uh, you know, next on the list are, are parks and recreation facilities, whether that's rec centers or pools. And, and that, that's what we're going to focus on over the, over the next 10 years is uh, really getting those up to uh, modern standards so that um, they are open and accessible to as many people as possible. So um, we were carrying on that, um, that goal of, of engaging our community by putting these resources in our neighborhoods and not building a centrally located pool or a centrally located rec center that everybody comes to. We, we know the importance of having walkable facilities that um, people have close to their homes, and uh, we want to we wanna continue that on and, and just make our facilities more modern and, and accessible. That's a strategy I, I appreciated with the library uh, investments. Uh, the, the, the neighborhood access is, is, is critical. And, and um, those investments are worth the wait. Um, in the meantime, you're doing as much as you can and a heck of a lot with what you've got. So we really appreciate it. If folks want to be part of what you're doing, what should they do? Uh, so we go by Play Roanoke, and our website is, is playroanoke.com. All of our social media channels are, you know, pick your favorite one backslash play Roanoke. Um, I know we're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we're probably on a whole host of others that I'm not even aware of. Um, you know, our, our marketing folks do a phenomenal job um, with uh, getting the word out and, and really engaging our, our, our citizens. So um, we're, we're pretty easy to find. Um, but, uh, I think a, a simple search in Google for play Roanoke will take you everywhere you need to go. And, and they do do a great job. I look at it with, with envy. Uh, and this is Douglas Jackson. I've been with Michael Clark. I want to thank you, Michael, for your creativity and leadership and the work that you're doing in Roanoke parks and recreation. And this has been the art of it conversations on creativity and leadership, a podcast by the Roanoke arts commission.